few weeks ago on Instagram, I asked stepmoms what they struggle with when it comes to the idea of disengaging. Here are just some of the responses that came in. The fine line between disengaging and feeling like I don't care are coming across as such. How to do it while not being disconnected. I would try and disengage, but then I would feel completely isolated. It's hard to disengage when I watch my husband make horrible decisions with the kids and the ex. I can't let go of control. How do I disengage and keep my heart completely open? These are all very valid questions and concerns, but I'm going to be brutally honest. When it comes to disengaging, I think that a lot of stepmoms just don't get it. It's used as this last resort strategy when they're feeling overwhelmed or resentful or disrespected, or it's something that stepmoms think that they need to do because they heard about the nacho kid method in some Facebook group. Nacho kid, not your responsibility, nacho kid, not your problem. You've seen the posts. Spoiler alert, this is not the best way to build relationships and find your groove in your stepfamily life. You can disengage without disconnecting. Oh, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it kind of is your problem. Very much so. I have an entirely different approach to disengaging as a stepmom. It's different than anything I've read online. And I've seen it work time and time again, personally and with stepmoms I've worked with. It's changed everything for us. Over the years, I've disengaged several times, and my stepdaughter didn't even notice. My stepson used to think I was a huge bitch, and now only thinks I'm kind of a bitch, all because of disengaging. Kidding. Not really, though. (laughs) Seriously, though, our relationship is completely transformed, and disengaging and then reengaging has been one of the top strategies that I've used in my almost 10 years as a stepmom. It's not right for everyone, though, and if you're wondering if it's right for you, I have a quiz that you can take in less than 60 seconds, and it will tell you if it's the right move for you. And then if it is, I will tell you what you need to know about disengaging the right way. If you want to take the quiz, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash should I disengage. That's www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash should I disengage. Hey, it's Jamie Scrimger. When I became a stepmom, I quickly realized that while moms are encouraged to keep it real, there's a big double standard when it comes to stepmoms. So I decided to start the conversation myself. Thriving as a stepmom doesn't just come from conversations about being a stepmom though. Here we dive into marriage, relationships, personal growth, and more. My mission, inspire you to live a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. This is the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Guys, today's conversation is, well, it's hot. It is. Wow. I learned so much about things I didn't know existed, or I don't know, maybe I knew existed, but just hadn't given much thought to. But let me just say that Darren's ears definitely perked up when I started telling him all that we talked about. So today's guest is Ashley Renard. Ashley is the creator of the viral How to Keep Monogamy Hot video series and has been referred to as the Carrie Bradshaw for married people. After sharing her own story of rehabbing a shabby marriage in her memoir, Swing, she now answers hundreds of requests from her audience each day on how they can improve their relationships. Now, this episode is going to be a two-parter because we can get through it all. So we started with what happened with Ashley and her husband when they decided to go to a sex club and explore the swinging lifestyle, which ultimately failed, but was the catalyst to change in their marriage and how Ashley viewed herself. Now I had so many questions throughout this episode and basically listened 
with my mouth wide open. It taught me so much. It made me question some of my own beliefs about sex and monogamy. And I'm just dying to hear more, which is why we are doing a part two. So I have ordered Ashley's book swing on Amazon prime. It is going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to plow through it all so I can get up to speed before Ashley comes back on and shares her strategies for keeping monogamy hot. But for now, we're going to dive into her experience, what happened after she and her partner decided to go to a sex club and explore the swinging lifestyle or the swingers lifestyle, the swinging life. I don't even know how to say it. Let's just dive in. Welcome to the podcast. I'm ready for this. Jamie, I am too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is like, I have never thought I would be talking anything to do with swinging. So <laughs> this is going to be, I just, Darren's like, what are you talking Yeah, yeah. I didn't think so either. Like when my husband and I first started talking, having these conversations years and years ago, I was certain that I would never tell a soul. Um, but yeah, we're in a, we're in a different situation here. Uh, so, and then I, then I accidentally wrote a book about it. That's been, you know, optioned for film. So like uh, parts of me forget though, that the cat's out of the bag. So yeah, but yeah, it's out of the bag so we can talk about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I think the best place to start is just give us the lowdown. Like what do you've got going on? How did you even start all of this? All right. So I am Canadian, born and raised, actually born in Calgary. I grew up in Manitoba, super small town, Southwestern Manitoba. Uh, my parents had me in skates by the time I was two and a half years old, because like I said, I'm from Manitoba <laughs> and I just started skating and loving it and loving the most boring parts of skating, like figures or patch. You know, your Canadian listeners will probably be familiar with that or anyone who's watched skating, like the figure eights on the ice, the more, the most meticulous, right? The like where the perfectionists go in skating. Um, and I took that quest for perfectionism, like the highest level of difficulty into marriage and motherhood. And then after, um, I tripled the size of my business and I had finished baking all the cakes on Pinterest, I decided the next thing we should try to do to, I think I was searching for excitement, Jamie. I think I was just like really, really wanted fulfillment actually, like realize that later, right? Because my husband and I don't like golf or any other habits or hobbies <laughs> like that together. We decided to go to sex clubs. So, you know, it was like, how do you make marriage more difficult? Oh, well, there's a way. So the first scene of Swing, I'm at an invite-only sex party in New York City. I'm 10 years into my marriage. I have three little kids. I'm still breastfeeding my toddler. Okay. So I've got like a tiny bit of cleavage because I'm like at like the two and a half year point of nursing. You know what I mean? If, if anybody goes that long, like you don't really even have your nursing boobs anymore, but like you could, you know, you can get a little. We were at this invite only sex party in New York City where we had to send in headshots and a relationship bio to get on the guest list. And I was like, oh my God, what kind of parallel universe have we thrust ourselves into? And it was just as confusing as you would think, but it was hilarious and sexy. And what it did for us was it made me realize what, it made me realize, Jamie, where that edge was. You know how some of us push ourselves and push ourselves, like whether it's in fitness or sports or where we put the bar for ourselves as a mom or in our business, <sighs> I, I've realized now, after looking back at things that I just pushed too far, that 
part of my safety is knowing where the edge is. And my husband, gotta love him because we're still together because it was his idea to go to a club just for some excitement, like to let off some steam, to just so it's a sex club. I need to, sex I need to stop club. for a second. I'm sex so confused. Club. Okay. There's a sex club. There are sex clubs in every city in the world. If you Google swing sex club near me, boop, 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 probably two or three things will come up like in your town or city. Okay. If you're really rural, maybe there'll be something at like the closest, maybe there'll be an awful club rurally, or if you're super lucky, but as soon as you go to the next biggest city, you're going to find a club that's probably great and probably hundreds. It's not strippers. Couples go there together. Hundreds of couples. Every night it's open. Every club we've been to is packed every time you go. Okay. Which is a Friday or Saturday night. It's not like a Tuesday, right? It's a, it's a weekend night, but people come from all over for a lot of different reasons. Okay. Only about a third of the people who are at a club any given night are actually going to have interaction with someone other than their partner. Okay. Okay. And that could be, that could be like some groping and getting close on the dance floor. That could be kissing someone else. That could be touching. That could be under the clothes. That could be all the way to full bone sex. You guys all go in the room in the back, in the club. You could have it right out of the middle of the club, or you could go to a back room, but most of the people, two thirds of the people in the club are there because the atmosphere is bonkers electric. It is so sexy. All right. There are people all over. Well, first of all, there's so many people there and they're so friendly, Jamie. (laughs) They're so friendly, like genuinely, like probably the same as if you were going to a new church and they were like, we're so cool. (laughs) We have, we have the rock band on Friday. You know what I mean? They just want you to stay and they want you to have a good experience. And I've never, I've never compared a swing sex club to a church till this moment, Jamie. So you must've just unlocked something in me there, but that's what it's like. You know, like if someone's super friendly and you're like, Are they really that nice? And you're like, I think maybe they are, right? Once you're there until, well, if if you come, if you come to the club around 11 p.m., probably you're going to have time to have like one drink, walk around a little bit before some action starts on the dance floor. So the way that the action usually starts at clubs, the way we've experienced is that most of the, most of the swing lifestyle clubs around the country uh, cater to sits Cis het couples, okay, got it. So man, woman, husband, wife, they're at the at the club, right? Some of them allow single women on some nights of the week, but that doesn't happen very often. Like in the lifestyle, people call that like a unicorn, like a beautiful single woman who wants to hook up with a married couple. Like it's very rare, okay? Okay. But most couples aren't even there to hook up with someone else. They're there to be out of their element and in a place that's sexually charged because- most of the people there have been together for a long time. You don't see people who are dating who are there very often or newly married or most of the people who are there have been together 10, 20 years, maybe more. Around 1130, 12 o'clock, what'll happen is, thank goodness for all of us, there are usually a couple sets of couples who come together like as friends. Like maybe they met at the club months before, a year before or something else, but and maybe they hooked up, maybe not, but they're, they're friends, they're friends. So the four of them will come together and maybe they'll be like drinking and dancing and they're having a good time together. And maybe the girls, will, the women will start to kiss, right? Yeah. And then some action. And because part of being at a club is that you get to watch 
there are people who like to be watched and they will get the action going quickly because that's their favorite part, right? Is if like all the, all the eyes in the club are looking at them because like these two women kissing or a woman going down on her knees on the dance floor, Jamie, like unzipping her partner's pants and performing oral sex on him. Like that all happened right there in the club. Shut up. Right there. Right there in front of you. It's like, okay. And this is the thing. When my husband and I first started talking about like, do you think there are places like this? Are there, are there not? We realized very quickly there were. And there was this show on, I think it was on Cinemax. So I don't know if your Canadian listeners ever saw it, but it was on in the US on Cinemax, which was like not the greatest pay-per-view station back in the day, but I think we used to get it because one of the shows we used to watch was on it. But there was this other show that was called, I think, Skin to the Max. And it was about couples going to sex clubs all over the world, like in Berlin and here and there. And my husband and I love to travel too. So when we saw this, we were like, oh my God, if we ever can be alone without these kids, because we have three kids we're passing back and forth, like that would be worth a vacation. Do you know what I mean? We're like, and we were thinking, oh my God, do these places really exist? Can that really, really exist? Because it seems very sexy, very fun. And almost like, how is that legal for, for that to happen? But when it's a private club and they're consenting adults, literally, yes, sex can happen all over. So there are, there's a bar, like at a regular bar, gets the crowd going with bar games, just like when I used to work for Molson Canadian in Winnipeg, right back in 2002. That but, was like uh, the coolest job to have, by the way. Well, I had girlfriends I, well, who had that job. Well, thank you. Cause I just wanted to job. throw that in. Cause I was like, and I was the beer tub girl. Like this is all making sense now. I, I was the beer tub girl at university of Manitoba at wise guys. Okay. So because you have a Canadian audience, I'm like, Oh, I can throw in all these things. I forget about myself even, but there, okay, so there's the bar, right? And then there's the DJ and the games that the DJ may play are a little bit racier. Like, you know, maybe you're blindfolded and you have to like, your partner has to identify you like out of like sort of a lineup, like a groping lineup. But like you've said, yeah, yeah, I'll do this. And like, so the guys come and touch your boobs or whatever. And then it's like, this is my wife. And like blindfold off, like stuff that is like not incredibly intimate. It's not like skin to skin. It's nothing like that, but it's like, way closer than you would get with a stranger in regular life, right? That adds to this environment of, it almost feels like we've gone through the looking glass. Like we're almost, it's like we've gone through the looking glass and almost like we're in like an adult playground where like the only thing we have to do is have fun and everybody else is just here for fun too. Because it's not even like people are looking for a polyamorous triad or something like people aren't there looking for love. They're looking there. They're there just for fun. Yeah. All right. It's not like they're looking for a committed, like there is some overlap between the swing lifestyle or like consensual non-monogamy or ethical non-monogamy. Swinging is one type of that where you say, Hey, my partner and I choose that we are not only going to be have physical contact or physical intimacy with each other. There may be some variation from how it would be expected in mainstream marriage. And I just want to tell people, unless you've explicitly laid out things with your partner, with your husband or your wife, I am assuming that the two of you have a different idea about what monogamy is or what monogamy isn't. And sometimes couples bump into this when there's been like a text to a coworker that one member of the marriage says, 
what the hell? And the other one says, is that really a big deal? Sometimes people are playing dumb, but sometimes they're like, I actually thought that was okay because if you did that, that would be okay with me. And can we really like take a look at it? When we bump into things like that in our marriage, we have a real opportunity to catapult to a new level of understanding, right? Especially if it gets a little sticky and we have to like piece it apart. It may get heated. It may feel scary. It may feel a little bit sad, but I, you know, it's so cheesy, but like pressure makes diamonds, right? But, but, but really when we can stay in a conflict or a disagreement or a misunderstanding long enough to find a new solution, like long enough to ask a different question than we've ever asked. So we get a different answer. We evolve in our communication and in our relationship really, really quickly. So I'm not just saying like about in marriage, that's how communication works. Before I moved to the US, I was the assistant strength coach for Team Canada Women's Volleyball, and I was a a competitive figure skater my whole life. So when I moved to the US, I started Philadelphia's first synchronized skating program and grew it to like, it was all really great, grew it to one of the biggest in the world. But my point is, it was my job every day to convince dozens and dozens of teenage girls that they should do exactly what I say and that it would be in their best interest to do it exquisitely, like with perfect execution the first time. And if their partner or the person beside them is having a hard time doing it, if they make their their teammate look good and feel good, I'm going to move on to the next thing for them really quickly. Right? So when we are talking about cooperation. I feel like I'm about 23,000 hours of being like a cooperation whisperer, right? Like really getting paid to teach teenage girls how to cooperate in a way that's different than other sports. Because if your audience is familiar with synchronized skating, or if they're not, it's like synchronized swimming, but the water's frozen. And Mm -hmm. so everybody has to do the Yeah, it's beautiful. And everybody has to do the exact same thing at the exact same time. So it's not like you have a superstar or if you could, you could even have that if you wanted to. So there's a level of dropping your ego and communicating that I got to witness and I got to facilitate for so long. Misadventures in, in the swing lifestyle, because my book swing is like the complete idiot's guide for what not to do in the swing lifestyle. Like I did everything, including like falling in love with a dude who told me I was beautiful and funny. Like, you know, like just classic, like she's not going to be able to hang. Right. And I I couldn't, but the, the conversations that we had to come up against, I mean, even before you walk into a club, you have to ask, you have to have the conversation with your partner. No, no. Even before you buy the membership and the ticket to go and arrange for the kids to sleep at your in-laws, right? For a sleepover. You have to ask yourselves and you have to ask each other, what do we say if people ask where we're going, right? And you're like, okay, well, let's just get our story straight. Think of the last time, unless you like you and your spouse, like run like a criminal ring of some sort. When was the last time you guys had to like get your story straight or stories straight or like that you had a little secret that was just for you? For us, it like... other people in our family knew I was pregnant with our third kid before Manny did. Like it's been a long time. I think it was probably when we were engaged that maybe, oh my God, let's just keep this a secret for a couple hours. Like everything is so out in the open when you're a parent and you have little kids. And it's like, especially our oldest is 15 now. So everything, everything just has to be out in the open, like on the table, on the table. So even before we went to a club, our relationship and our communication and our excitement in talking to each other went up. Okay. 
So for weeks and weeks and weeks before we even went, all right, then we went. We just did our own thing, but we're looking around. Are you just like out of your art? Like, I just need to know how you got, because you guys were, did you say you were together several years before you started this? We were. It was a conversation early on, though, before we were even married, that maybe something different than the strictness of possessive, jealous monogamy would be a match for us. So this wasn't this a new development that things were rough and all of a sudden you're like, let's go to a sex club. No, it was, it was not because things were rough. It was because things felt so solid, but so stifled in life in general. Like the jo- our jobs were really stressful. Our kids were a lot because kids are a lot. And we had been going through a lot of health issues, both of us having weird things that were popping up, like classic, like midlife crisis thing. I kind of, I kind of think I've always been eager to grow up, you know? So I think I had my midlife, midlife crisis, at least one version of it when I was in my mid thirties. But no, we went there, Jamie, because we thought, wow, do you think it's possible we could actually prioritize having a good time? You know, like something like so fun and frivolous for the two of us, because the thought of going was so exciting and there was nothing like we were worried about with the two of us. Do you know what I mean? We were like, do we run into somebody we know? What if our car gets stolen in the parking lot if it's not in a great area? Like we were thinking about things like that, but we were and we were like, what if your what if your brother asks where we're going? Blah, blah, blah. Like those things, but we weren't worried about us. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. Two, we've gone. The atmosphere is incredible. I I look over, like we're there for, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. I look over and there's like literally three or four women, like all having sex with each other in like these configurations that keep changing. And I'm just like, this is real life. What is happening? Right? Like this is actually happening right here. And people are just watching like this is so normal. And There's this huge area in most clubs that's like the pit or the play pit because physical intimacy at these places is called play. Like, are are you guys, did you play with them or did you blah, 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 like if someone's asking? I never said that word because it's so weird. And like I said, I still had a toddler when I went. My littlest was like two and a half. So that was just, I didn't call it play. I was like, they hooked up or something. If we were talking to someone, we just met and they were referencing something. And there's, there's a pit where people just have sex out in like, it's like adjacent to the dance floor. People just have sex there all over. Okay. There in most clubs, there are usually some prop type things, whether it's like some light BDSM things, or some clubs will like have BDSM nights specifically. So maybe they'll have like a cage or some kind of like light restraint type thing that like, I don't know how to use those things, but they're there. If, if, if your audience is into it, yes, the stuff's there. And then when you go around the back of the biggest club we've been to, the one that, that factors the most heavily in the story swing. It's a club down here in Philadelphia, close to where we live. They have hallways and hallways of private rooms that all have doors and windows and a dimmer light on the switch. And then there is a curtain on the window. So you can decide like, do I want to open a little bit? Do I want to a little, do I want to close? Do I want lights all the way on or all the way off? Whatever you want, like for you and your partner. And I realized right away, oh, I want the window open. Like, yeah, I've, you know, been a performer, taught people to perform my whole life. So like, yes, I was surprised when I was like, oh my God, am I an exhibitionist? And it's like, duh. But 
And the thing is, whether you just want to go there, and this is about a third of the people who go there, they'll go and they'll just drink in the sexiness. And then as soon as they're like, oh my God, I want to jump your bones, they'll jump in the car and they'll drive home. <laughs> and then they'll, they'll, they'll have great sex and probably for a few days. For us, what we liked to do, we know we skipped over that. Like we never even did that the first time. Okay. Like the first time we were there, we we had sex basically in public in front of other people. And it was incredible. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. As you know, my mindset has really changed around the importance of a healthy lifestyle, and I have been making my health a huge priority. Now, over the last year or so, I have started to integrate some micro habits into my day to help me be healthier, more energetic, and to really change the way that I feel. Now, one of the micro habits that I have integrated is Element. Here's the deal. When you are deficient in electrolytes, it can cause headaches and cramps and fatigue and feelings of weakness. Straight up, it can make you feel like garbage. And having a sufficient amount of electrolytes in your system can regulate your appetite and curb cravings and overall just make you feel much better. Everyone needs electrolytes, especially those on low-carb diets or practicing intermittent fasting or physically active or sweat a lot. And a lot of the electrolyte drinks have sugar and artificial ingredients and coloring, which is not needed and unhealthy. Now get this, according to the FDA, over 70% of sodium in the typical US diet is consumed from packaged and processed food. Now you do need sodium. So when you adopt a whole food diet and you're eliminating the processed food and all of that crap, you actually eliminate a lot of the sodium from your diet. Now, obviously it's not recommended that you reintroduce the processed food, but not replacing that sodium can negatively impact how you feel, which is where Element comes in. So Element is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a lot of salt with no sugar. Element is formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for anyone following a keto, low carb, or paleo diet. It has none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. I personally have Element every single day mostly when I'm working out, but also when I'm feeling dehydrated or perhaps had some wine the night before. Now Element is offering a free sample pack with the purchase for my listeners. When you order through my link, they have a money back guarantee. So if you don't like it, you can get your money back. And this sample pack allows you to taste the different flavors and just figure out what your favorite is. Personally, mine is watermelon and raspberry is a close second. So just head to www.drinkelement.com forward slash kickass stepmom. That's drinklmnt.com forward slash kickass stepmom to place your order and get your free sample pack. That's www.drinklmnt.com forward slash kickass stepmom. If you've been around since the beginning, you know that I created this platform and community 100% on my own. Google searches and podcast episodes and help desks are my business coaches, and that includes creating my website. Speaking of my website, if you've been on it in the last year or so, you know that it looks freaking amazing. Yeah, I know, humble brag, my website is bomb. I get a lot of questions about who designed it and how much it cost, and here's the deal. I did my own website. 
I just bought a template from Tonic Sight Shop and customized it so that it's aligned with my brand, my messaging, and my style. Tonic Sight Shop has redefined the website template. So throw out everything you think you know about creating a website and check out Tonic Stat. These are completely customizable websites designed for people who give a damn. I've heard people say that your website does not matter. That is complete crap. These days, your website matters big time. These templates are incredibly user-friendly with a drag and drop design. You use this intuitive platform called Show It to customize your website template without needing to know a single line of code. You just drag and drop like it's hot, no tears, no code, no limits. Head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash tonic to choose your template and then use the code Jamie15 to get 15% off. These templates are totally worth the investment and help me take my brand and my community to the next level. I can't wait to see what you create. So where do you put your pants? Like right beside you? <laughs> okay, such a good question. All right. So such, okay, where do you put your pants? Well, I was wearing a dress, okay? okay. So I was wearing a dress with cute lingerie underneath, like we were on the dance floor and I was dancing and I think I looked and I think I saw a woman giving a blowjob to her husband right beside us. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm getting so turned on. I'm like out of my mind. I've never been so turned on with like a ton of people around me. So it was so weird. And I was like, so I, and I'd had like a, probably two glasses of wine and I leaned in to my husband, Manny, and I whispered in his ear and I said, take my dress off. And he's like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, just take it off. So he's like, okay. And I just put my hands up and he just pulled my dress off over my head. And I was just there in my lingerie and like this tiny little like thong and my heels. And I just danced. I don't know how long I danced for Jamie. Like maybe I danced for an hour and I was like, oh my God, I feel so incredible. Just so incredible in this body that's given birth to three kids. But I was just like, oh my God, just feeling like so embodied feeling so embodied and so sexy and in this environment because it is so friendly and welcoming, even though it's sexually charged, it is not creepy. I can be so freely, I can be freely sexual dancing, right? In underwear and not worry that anybody would rub up against me. Like that doesn't happen. It's so respectful. Like nobody has to go through sensitivity training before they walk through the door, but everyone knows what consent is just off. Like I think every human really knows what consent is. And sometimes we play dumb because we we wanted to kind of get away with something. But it's like, no, no, no. When we all know manners, like we all learn them in kindergarten, whether we like, you know, choose to use them or not. So I could be there and just be dancing. And my husband is just standing there like watching me, right? You know, doing the thing that like guys do when they don't really dance, which is like kind of sway. And he's like, and he's feeling like the king of the world because he's like, that's my fucking wife. Oh my God. He's like looking at me like, and he can't wait to go have sex and I can't wait to go have sex, but I'm just enjoying this so much, right? It is just incredibly, incredibly hot. So in that case, my my dress used to go over the back of a chair, like at one of the tables, right? Like then we go, we rip each other's clothes off. We leave the curtain open a bit. We like have the lights a little dimmed, but like I can see faces at that window when we're getting it on. And I was like, oh my God, I can see faces. And then it's like, I can't make eye contact. And then it's like, oh my God, what if I did? So anyway, there are just all these opportunities to go, holy moly, what can I handle? What can I handle? And so 
the way that you get to know yourself and the way that you guys have to really quickly communicate is pretty transformative. Okay. Do I think everybody should go for like a touch of kink or something like this to, to shake things up, to like really up level their communication in a marriage? Of course not. This isn't going to be the thing for everybody. And I don't actually recommend anybody do it. Thousands and thousands of couples have read Swing and it's wild, Jamie. 90% of my DMs on social media are from men who have seen my content because my most, my most viral video series is how to keep monogamy hot. Because when I started sharing the story of swing, just in little, little tidbits, little tidbits, like little teasers, like essays and blog posts and things that I would do in the years before I released the book, it's like I knew Jamie that I was going to write a book about it from the first time I walked in the door, you know? I always was super inquisitive and I always wanted to be a writer and I was never quite sure what the first book would be. Like, I didn't plan to be a skating coach. Like, I planned to be a writer my whole life, but figure skating has a way of taking over a life, kind of like a forest fire. What I found was that my striving and pushing and reaching for the highest level of difficulty, because in skating, you can look, you have to make it look effortless and beautiful. I took that into everything. I, I can only win if I do the hardest fucking thing. It took me taking it to the limit like that and like falling in love with another man and trying to convince my husband that we should do separate room full swap, which is like <laughs> separate room full swap is like the X games of swinging. As, oh, so wait, wait, when you're swinging, you're not in different rooms? Usually you're in the same room. Okay. Obviously, you can tell I'm not a swinger. Well, look at you, Jamie. Jamie, look at you. You and I, if we were swingers in another lifetime, successful swingers in another lifetime, we would go very fast because you're you're already thinking different rooms, right? And some people, even if they do full swap, never, ever, ever is their partner in a different room than them. But for me- That would bother me. I agree. I like that. Would you want them in the room with you or different? Um, I would want them in the room with me. Yeah. So that you could see or that you could be seen or just that you were close or both. All of the above, I feel. All of the above. I've never Yeah. Really and see it. these, well, and the thing is, we don't usually think about these things. And not only is it, what would you prefer, but what is it about that that you prefer? So to understand, like, if your husband wanted to be in the room with you in this situation, right? Like, cause hypothetically, like even if you just talk these hypotheticals, you learn so much about each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why thousands and thousands of monogamous couples read swing. Like I've had people who are in the lifestyle or in polyamory who have read it. And they're like, thank you for writing an account of your experience in this that isn't further stigmatizing. Cause I wanted to be really careful. Like this lifestyle did not work for us. It did not work for us. It made me face a lot of things. No, I'm going to say it this way. People ask me, what's the best thing about the swing lifestyle? And I say, it's incredibly hot. Like it is incredibly hot. And even when you're not there, you can be like thinking or talking about something that happened or you saw or that you'd want to do next time or see next time. So it's like, it's just like this heightened attraction and chemistry with your partner that like, I don't know. It's hard to come by that naturally for me 
after I, now that I've been with my husband for 20 years and it didn't stop, it didn't, it's not because we've hit two decades. Like that was hard to naturally generate after we were together for a couple of years. I think it like already started to fade even before we got married, even though we both love sex and we had, we had regular sex throughout the 20 years that we've been together. I'm not very often like in the mood. I'm like, I know I like doing that with you. So yeah, there's a window of time in this day that I know that I could get myself there. Do you know what I mean? But it's not like I feel horny, so I want to have sex. No, 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 no. I don't feel horny until 10 minutes in, five minutes in, 10 minutes. Do you know what I'm saying? And I want, I want everybody to listen to that. I'm not sure how many male listeners that you, you have, but even female listeners just to share that bit with their partners, because that's shocking to, to a lot of men. It's really shocking. They don't understand that part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And and just with different anatomy, just how much warm up has to happen before you actually have a before you actually have a physical result that would make it would make intimacy more comfortable. Right. Um, I actually had a person come on. I think it was like, I don't even know it was a podcast. It was maybe before I did the podcast, we did like a Facebook live or something. And she was a sex expert or sex therapist. And she was saying how sometimes like for women, it's like, you know, when someone's like, Oh, are you hungry? And the response is, Oh, I could eat instead of like, yeah, I'm starving. You know what I mean? Like I could get there. And uh, I thought that was such a really, like just a really, really good analogy. Right sometimes I think as women, we're just like waiting to feel like super horny and we want to like jump their bones or whatever. And it happens. Like, I don't know it happens for me sometimes, but most of the time I have to be like, yeah, okay. I could do that. I could get myself there, right? I could get myself there. Exactly. And that's what it's like for me too. It's so interesting to me when I started getting so many DMs from men and when I started getting, and when I say DMs from men, I get DMs from men who say, oh my God, thank you so much for your content. I It's helping me be a better husband. I've realized that I was being pretty dense or you said this thing that my wife's been telling me for five years and I didn't understand. So I sent the video to her and I said, babe, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Do you want to follow this chick too? And then they both follow me and they read swing. And some of them came to my retreat that I had in Banff in December. Oh my gosh, you had a retreat in Banff? I, I did. I had my first ever keeping it hot couples retreat in Banff. I love it. So this is the thing like now, because I've gone a few years now with hundreds and hundreds of DMs a day from people who want to tell me about their marriage, mostly about feelings, because I shared this very intimate memoir about my marriage, where ultimately in the marriage, what I what I realized when I was pushing and pushing and pushing is that nothing I had done thus far in my life, all the great looking things, right? None of it, none of it was hitting the spot. None of it was making me feel satisfied in the way that I longed to feel satisfied. And I kept striving and striving and striving. And when I actually checked in to say like, why why so much? I really felt so miserable in my lovely looking life. All of these things that looked so great, like such a fucking privileged life. And I was like, I am miserable and I feel so ashamed that I do feel this way. But I had sort of made such a mess for myself in our marriage that I was like, I can't push this under the rug because what I've realized is all the other stuff we pushed under the rug for the last 15 years is coming back to haunt us. Like we really thought we could skate by without 
dealing with some really simple but essential issues as a couple. Tell me more about that. Like about how this affected your marriage. We we never we never fought ever, ever, ever in our marriage. And we thought it was because we were just so great at marriage. But what it is, is we're so bad at communication that whenever we come to a point where we don't agree, we go, let's pretend that never happened. Okay. La-di-da. We each have four planets in Libra. Okay. Four placements in Libra. So for, for your audience who is into astrology, Libra, they're the people who can't make a decision because they don't want to make people mad. Like they're so balanced. Like they're the scales, right? So Manny and I, my husband and I, we cannot imagine anything that's worth fighting over. Well, we couldn't until, you know, seven years ago when we get into this in our marriage. And all of a sudden, when I'm feeling these truths, like, I have never felt loved in this marriage. When our second son was born, and these are the conversations, Jamie, that people want to have with me after they've read Swing, right? Um, People think the taboo in the book is that I'm talking about sex clubs, okay? Um, And basically my failed attempt to just like get it on with with anybody who would help me feel loved. And it, it focuses on this one guy specifically, Brad, who um, I really thought, oh my God, maybe, maybe I, in my desire to feel like I'm doing the right thing, maybe I have said, maybe I've checked boxes in my marriage saying we have things that we don't actually have. Do we actually have respect? Do we actually have emotional connection? Do we actually have any intimacy that's not physical? Do we have any? No, we don't. It was just the marriage that looked really, really good because we never fought. Because of all that, we actually thought we were fine when we were actually so incredibly avoidant. But when I started dipping into these feelings like, oh my God, here's this man who's texting me now because tried dating another couple. Jamie, we like found a couple on a swing dating app and we like went out for dinner with them, like a double date. Like, I hope you like my husband. I hope I like yours. Like it was, it was, it got so wild so quickly. And then did you guys hook up after like in the same room? Yeah. Yeah. We did on our second date, we hooked up, but it was already incredibly apparent that the wife was not into my husband at all, but the connection between me and her husband, Brad, was pretty intense. So it was way out of balance from the beginning. But Manny, and her name in the book is Jess, Manny and Jess were kind of fine with it. That they're like, okay, we're just wanting to hook up maybe, but you two are falling in love over there. Ha, ha, ha. Like they would say these things. And Brad and I would look at each other and go, so they know and it's okay or what? which made things incredibly confusing for me, Jamie, because I was like, oh, wait a minute. This guy is like telling me I'm beautiful and I'm smart and I'm funny. And he's like romancing me like my high school boyfriend did. But my high school boyfriend didn't seem like the most responsible choice for like an actual adult relationship for me at the time. So I I thought 
in, in my quest to be like, yes, I know what I'm doing. I'm doing the right thing. I was like, Ooh, yeah, that kind of, that kind of love doesn't make for a good marriage. It would be like, no, no, no. Like no one has a stable marriage and that kind of like, Ooh, love notes and like, right. Like just like adoration, like the way that I felt it in young love. So I really thought that I was being like so much smarter than people who had that kind of thing, like that real affection. By having the two different relationships. Right. Well, I thought that I thought that anybody who had that kind of affection in a marriage was like, I think maybe faking it, trying to overcompensate for something else. Like I, it never, because I didn't have it, Jamie, I thought it's not a good thing, Mm -hmm. but then I got it from another guy and I was like, holy shit, that feels good. Oh my God. That feels so good. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this addicted immediately. Right. Like, mm-hmm. right. Immediately, which, you know, so many of us with our ability to hyper-focus with our ability to be super disciplined with our ability that we developed in sports or school or running our own business, or we know how to go, 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 go. Right. So we start dating this other couple and right away, it's clear that there's an attraction mismatch. Okay. But my husband and his wife don't really seem to be too concerned about the mismatch. And I was like, well, pinch me. Like, what? How is this possible? But okay. But it's a red flag. She and my husband both had things that they were kind of trying to compensate for on the sly. Like, it. this is the thing when you go into this kind of arrangement, you, you are going into it with this abundance mindset that there's pleasure in this world. There is fun to be had in this world. And if you experience some pleasure separate from me experiencing pleasure, that doesn't like reduce the amount of pleasure we have together next time, or it doesn't even reduce the amount of pleasure I'm having right at that moment because me watching you for, for some people. And that's one of the things for me, watch, like watching Manny kiss another woman or be intimate with another woman, like that, that tur- the thought of it turns me on. Not everybody is like that though. Not everybody is like that. But so there are these, these ways, right? Where th- you're going in with this assumption that your pleasure doesn't belong to anybody but you and my pleasure doesn't belong to anybody but me. So when you go in, everybody like tries to really be like play nice and like play by the rules and just try to keep it at that high vibration. But the ways that we're not so clean in relationship and communication come in real quick. Um, so already Manny and Jess were not being honest with either of us about why they were okay with us falling in love. I was becoming incredibly panicked because I knew this wasn't sustainable. And I also knew, oh shit, I don't think I can go back to my marriage with only him. If I don't, if I'm not getting this kind of conversation, this like the joking around, the like, oh, just like tell me more tell me more about what you did with the kids today. Oh my God, you're such a good mom. Like it wasn't even the sexual texts because we had some really sexy texts too, but that wasn't the thing. I was having great sex with my husband and I was exchanging hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages with another man every day. And I was feeling so loved that I could have great sex 
any time of day because I felt so filled up. Mm-hmm. And did your husband know you're having these messages? Like, this is okay? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And I'm like, do you want to see my phone? Do you want to read? He's like, no. He like, not really interested or concerned. And as it became clear how much I was falling for this other guy, because his wife started going, wait a minute, I'm trying to be okay with this, but holy fuck, this is scary. Mm-hmm. They had been in the lifestyle for a while before they had met us, year or two, much more experience than we had. And I thought they were really just starting, like we had, like just starting, like I I had kissed uh, another man and a woman because we were in the same room as them and we had, we had sex and that was incredibly hot. And that's chapter four of Swing and it's like an award-winning sex scene. Oh my God. My favorite, my favorite sex scene is later in the book though, but the- the, the people have voted and that's that's the one. But anyway, yeah. So we're in this situation where Brad and I are texting hundreds of times a day. His wife hundreds of times a day is going, oh my fucking God, my marriage is like on a crash, like collision course. I can see it. I can feel it. But I'm trying to not be jealous. I'm trying because she and I even she she called me one day and she's like, could the two of us just go for dinner? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then we get there and she's like, uh, I want to let you know something. Um, I'm terrified you're going to fall in love with my husband and destroy my family. And I was like, um, I, I promise you I'm not going to destroy your family. And I, I'm not going to fall in love with your husband. And like that second part was a lie. Because like I already knew I was falling in love with him. But I was like, but I, this is a person, this is a woman who I had so much sadness in my heart that I was so in love with her husband because I knew that was going to keep me from being a friend to her. Mm -hmm. And she was the kind of woman that I would want to be a really good friend to, you know, because she was the kind of woman who was trying to be a really good friend to me, Mm -hmm. right? And trying to be a really good wife to her husband in this in this situation that they'd already like been in, right? Like, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. She was trying so hard. And I was trying so hard to figure out how do I break this off and then stay in my marriage and not be incredibly miserable because all of this has opened up a part of me that I had pushed down so hard and so far that yes, I need encouragement a lot. That yes, I need this. Yes, I need that. I created a whole skating organization where there had been nothing so that I could get those needs met every day, right? Either from my assistant coaches or my skaters, because, you know, I would come up with the thing that fixed the problem in the program and they would be like, oh my God, it worked, it worked, it worked. That was so great. And I was like, oh my God, it was good, right? Like it worked, right? Tell me more about how it worked. Tell me more about how great I am. Tell me more. Tell me me more about how great I am, right? But I had, but I created the situation where That was part of my job as a leader of a team in a competitive sport to come up with solutions for us and then ask them, is that working, right? So I had this like feedback loop going all the time. It didn't work with my husband. I would go, look at the garden I made. And he would be like, a garden. Look at how many chickens I got. Look, I'm homeschooling the kids now. Look. And he would be like, look at you. Kind of like it, he... He doesn't respond in that way naturally. And his cultural conditioning even strengthened that. Mm -hmm. So 
the crash course that they were on, I knew that we were on. I was actually like driving the train. I realized at one point, wait, wait, no, no, I'm driving this train. If if I jump off or if then it's going to just like come to a halt. Like I am the one who keeps, I'm pumping the coal like into the fire, like go, go, go. Right. I was like, if, if, if I just back off, I know I'm going to stop like doing harm to these other people and getting them in this swirl of real uncertainty because I was like getting more and more and more certain that, wow, I've ignored my needs in an incredible way. And wow, as a child athlete in a sport where you're supposed to look like you're not even sweating, I had gauged my success every single day by how well I had ignored what my body and my mind were telling me to do. Mm -hmm. Right? Like that was a successful day. Was I bleeding? Yes. And I didn't stop. Great. Okay. Right. Like, and then I, I home birthed my kids. Like I was doing everything like just, just so hard that way that I realized, holy shit, I don't even know what I want. Like, I don't even know what would make me happy. This thing, this attention from this other, this other man feels good, but it, it, it also feels, I'm going to say the word dirty, but it wasn't quite dirty. It just felt like like you ate too much candy. Like it's not, this isn't good for me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This isn't good like it for went me. Too far. I don't think this is good for anyone, right? And when I said, I can't do this anymore. And I was heartbroken because I thought, oh my God, now I have to go back to this husband who, even though I had said, do you see these things that Brad is doing? I feel so loved when he does these. He was like, it's not me. But I knew I couldn't do that anymore. So we went back to monogamy and this was years and years ago. And I went back realizing, holy shit, I am not happy. And I didn't even know that. Like I have just pushed down what I want and gone, do other, are other people going to be pleased with me that I didn't even know what, what would be pleasing to me? Like no idea. And I think people who are people pleasers and codependent and, um, I'm so glad that the word codependency is coming out mm-hmm. when people used to just say people pleasers for years. I didn't even understand what it was. And then I read the definition and it was Terry Cole in her book. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. <laughs> that's like, oh, hey, that's well, me. Because especially female codependents are usually super successful mm-hmm. and can handle a lot because they, they've just been programmed early on in life, not programmed. They internalized the idea. They programmed themselves to say, oh, okay with all of these things that are going on around me right now, the way that I stay safe is to make sure everybody is as emotionally stable as possible. So their feelings are my responsibility and they're like, everybody's feelings are my responsibility. So then, then people don't get mad or they, I can make them laugh or we do all of these things that are just so, nobody asked you for help, right? So when I realized my perfectionism and all that stuff I thought was so cute and it like really fit in with the kind of work I did. So I was like, you know, these are just my natural tendencies or my superpowers. It was all such a fucked up way to try to push down my bad coping mechanisms that I, you know, used to deal with trauma that's unresolved because we all have, you know, no one makes it through life unscathed. We all have trauma that's unresolved. Mm-hmm. But I was in now back in a marriage where I felt the loneliness that I had been feeling for a decade and a half, but I'd never let myself actually dip my toe into and and acknowledge that was there. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to stop you right there, though. Super great to wrap it up there. Such a good story. I have so many things to talk to you about. We are going to do a part two. Jamie, you're the best. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review. It would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode, though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews, and coaching sessions, and live Q&As, and just exclusive next-level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week, and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership, and I'll see you in there.